0: Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. Over the past year, funeral directors have often been in the spotlight, and few are more conscious of that than my guest today, Gary Valentine of Valentine and Turner. Was followed by a documentary camera crews. He set up his London premises. The documentary follows him through the pandemic, and an excerpt shown on Channel Four News contributed to raising awareness of the work funeral directors have done during extreme circumstances. So today we'll talk about that work and Gary's experience over the past year. So, Gary, nice to see you. I haven't seen you for a few years. How are you, sir? Oh, good afternoon, Malcolm. Uh, And thank you very much for having
1: me. Yeah, I'm I'm well. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, very well. And
0: um, how are you? I'm not bad, actually. I'm sort of getting used to working from home, although hopefully soon with restrictions easing, I'll be able to get back on the road again and hopefully get down to see you. All right. Well, look, I'm conscious you're busy. So uh, grateful for a chance just to talk through with you your experiences, because uh, we have seen a bit of you on television recently, which is good news. So look, let's just start with your business. What's the history of your business? Who's involved? And when did you start in it yourself? Well, yeah, so Valentine
1: and Turner was founded in 2015 Uh, as, you know, quite a a newly established funeral home Uh, and, you know, founded by myself, you know, Gary Valentine and business partner and best friend Wayne Turner, you know, with the vision of, you know, taking it back to basics, you know, and offering a really personal service uh, as so many great funeral directors do. We work for bigger funeral homes and I, you know, me personally, you know, from when I was 15. So, you know, I've right. you know, been in the industry a little while and uh, it's now uh, run by actually the four of us, uh, which is Wayne and his wife, Laura Turner, yep. uh, and me and my wife, Kirsty Valentine. You know, Laura's sort of now Director of Care and, you know, she's now training to be an embalmer uh, at the London School of Embalming uh, and my wife come on board a little bit after that uh, and yep. took over the sort of finance side of what we do. and, and um.
0: Yeah, so it's a real family affair. So when I saw you last with Steve Bennett, that would have been, I think, probably 2016. So you'd only just started, hadn't you? you been trading for about a year on your own then. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. OK, so look, let, let's just reflect on the last 12 months because it's been pretty challenging, but, you know, none more so than for a funeral director. So, um, for you, as you look back, what's been the biggest challenge? So I think the biggest challenge was the
1: uncertainty, you know, around what was the right thing to do. I don't think anyone. Obviously, we're in a pandemic we've never been before, you know, as a country and as as the world, you know, and yeah. you know, funeral directors across the board. That was the bodies that you know that sort of we look to in times of trouble. I, I didn't, you know, they obviously didn't know the right thing, you know, to, to say because not even the government knew what the right thing was to say. So, you know, in the beginning, we were advised to, to you know, not allow families to sort of see their loved ones. It might not be safe. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, to tell a family that was very hard. Um, and then, of course, as time progressed, you know, we then could allow embalming and, and dressing. And some few homes yeah. aren't even doing that now. But uh, we struggled with that. And that's why we then, you know, looked to professionals to, no, we made it a very safe environment for families to come in here. But, yeah. you know, we were one of the first to start allowing families to come in and be with our loved ones because, right. you know, it was so, so hard. Like I would say the hardest the most distressing thing, you know, just, just sitting with a family. Uh, I mean, obviously even allowing families in, they they didn't have that chance to say goodbye in hospital and to be with their loved one in hospital. And then yep. we were then told we couldn't allow you to be with them here either. And oh, really? I struggled with that. Uh, we all did as a family and um, we got through it and we allowed dressing and, embalming and that sort of stuff moving forward in a very safe way um, yeah. but you know so you know um, but I understand we're a small family we can make decisions perhaps some of the bigger organizations can't uh, and I guess then because of that in our high street for instance of course because we've got some of the bigger funeral homes here yeah, yeah. Um, we were then getting uh, the families that would normally go to them so you know obviously because we were allowing families to be with our loved ones in our chapel uh, and we were allowing them to be dressed in their own clothing. We then obviously, you know, had, had uh, double or triple the amount of, of families we, you know, we normally have. So I'm sure. I would say the pressure yeah. was the hardest thing as well, as well as the uncertainty. But it's right. so lovely to see that we're getting out of it now, you know.
0: All right, well done. And look, I, I get your point around the differentiation. And as long as it was safe, that actually meant they probably remember that for future business as well, I suspect. OK, so, right. How on earth did you come to be featured then in the Channel 4 News documentary? Interested in that one? Of course. So uh, I'll,
1: I'll be honest, I was at the other funeral home I used to work at and I was conducting a funeral. And there was this lady with a camera walking around a cemetery. And she got talking to one of the the lads and uh, started questioning him. And he was very shy. He said, oh, no, no, go and ask Gary. He loves all that. (laughs) Uh, And they sort of started talking to me about how I got into the business and all that. And this is why service was taking place in a chapel. Uh, So I didn't have long. We got talking. And next to me, there was in my kitchen. You know, And it was very much, this was years ago. And uh, they've always remained in contact with me. Uh, And then this was the time of transition when I was leaving where I worked and then starting our own. So they filmed that journey. Lots of funeral documentaries have been done, but what they thought was missing was showing the person behind the funeral director. So, you know, they were with me every step of the way. They were at my children's births. They were at my wedding. Wow. Uh, Down the pub with me, which I don't know, that's a good thing. (laughs) um my wife struggled with it of course it's quite invasive at times um especially at childbirth (laughs) but you know it was just showing that we're just normal people and you know we all care about what we do and um you know just try to destroy that sort of taboo that exists around undertakers and i'm I'm passionate about that and um that was it really and and they've been a part of the journey and then through that through their connections and whatnot you, you know we were then um approached by Channel 4 about a documentary, very short doc on their news to sort of just display what we we were going through. And that was at a time where the film production team that we work with were promoting us as the forgotten front line. And that's something I'm very passionate about. And um, of course, the NHS is so important. And, And from, you know, the teachers to the people that work in, you know, in Sainsbury's, for instance, everyone's so important. And so many people have forgotten an industry that in the very beginning no one wanted to think of. No,
0: very good point, Gary. And and so, you know, they've obviously been with you over the last few years. I mean, you're used to it. What's any reaction from local families when they've seen cameras? I mean, it's a difficult one. Obviously, it's very
1: sensitive. Um, They've just lost their loved ones. The last thing they really want to do is walk into a film crew, you know. Yeah. So I, uh, me, Wayne, Laura and Kirsty, you know, we sit down and we try our very best to do it in the most sensitive way. If we think there's a funeral that perhaps would be good for, you know, for, for people to see, it's the way it was done. So, you know, obviously it would just be, a, I'd get to know the family first and build that rapport. And if I thought I could then sort of bring the documentary in, it's a conversation. Yep. And lots of families said, no, it's not for us. And you respect that. And, and, and of course, and, and we've, you know, we apologise if we offended them. A lot of the families are people we know because obviously we serve a lot of people we know. And um, I think they think as well, some of the families that did, you know, want to be a part of this journey, yes. the idea that their loved one is displayed on television is, is, is an, you know, they see it as an honor. And it is because, you know, the, the, the world, let's hope, you know, the places they want to take the, the film mm-hmm. gets, you know, gets to see their loved one's journey and, you know, and what an honor that
0: is. So they're the one, you know, but it has been difficult. No, I'm not surprised. And just, just so we know for our listeners, when is that, the actual documentary, likely to be released? They're still oom and Ring. So obviously there's been a lot of interest, um, you know, ITV,
1: Channel 4, uh, you know, Netflix uh, is sort of, they're, they're talking, was it going to be a, you know, a four-part doc? You know, was it going to be even a six-part similar to like Don't Drop the Coffin? It was on ITV years ago. Yeah. uh and then now they're talking about a film so i mean it's, it's meant to, no matter what it's going to be i'm told it's going to be released winter this year finally it's been difficult you know got the funding to take it forward to uh these big you know these big channels and um well, I guess yeah, I look forward i
0: it. sorry having, having filmed you over the last four or five years you know they've got a lot of material so so no wonder there are some options as, as to how best they release it now you also mentioned you've done a bit of filming with panorama in the past haven't you we have, yes. I mean, because of our sort of relationships with you know
1: London and and the sort of the mayor's office and all that sort of stuff, you know, we, we've been approached to support families affected by knife crime and gun crime. Yeah, uh, and a lot of that is to do with you know repatriation, you know, repatriating loved ones back home. You know, these yeah. these are just kids. You know, some of these are just kids. So we've had people here, you know, sixteen, seventeen, lost their lives because you know got caught up in gangs. Yeah. And you know, I built such lovely relationships we all have, you know, with their families and, and it's just been heartbreaking. We were doing work with lots of different people and even, you know, Kevin Sinclair, the embalmer, he'd come and, and reconstruct right these children basically so their mums and dads could say goodbye. and this yeah, you know, people caught wind of this and thought that, you know, who are these people that, that, that look at, you know look after these families? You know, and we only had a very small part of, of the actual show, which was called Murder on the Street, which basically showed, you know, these youngsters um, being caught up in gun crime uh, and knife crime, you know, and from that, you know, I've gone and given speeches at, you know, all sorts of rallies and all sorts of stuff, you know, for Mums Against Guns and um, we even were asked to take a coffin to Woolwich Centre where they basically, the mums that have lost their children, carried this coffin to the stage to represent their grief uh, and we 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 were asked to conduct it like a fake, you know, fake funeral, basically, um, to just show the power of grief. Uh, we're just passionate about you know just helping
0: people and and causes. And I can see that. You know, yeah, it's it's a powerful way, also, of of I suppose people seeing what you do, what you represent, and and your own brand values. So uh, there's a message there for other funeral directors as well, if, if they were to get approached, I guess. Okay, now look, one final thing. I gather you've also met Boris Johnson, because so I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of you with Boris a couple of years ago when he was campaigning, I suspect. Did he actually come round to the premises? Yes, yeah, so I met
1: Boris Johnson a couple of times, uh, and that's because his brother, Joe Johnson, was a Member of Parliament in Orpington. Oh, right. uh, you know, I tried to not get too involved politically um, because connections in Suffolk and stuff like that, one day I could be with Sadiq Khan, the next day I would be with Boris, you know. I, from that, you know, funny enough, and this is where the Channel 4 relationship first started. When Joe Johnson um, left Orpington, yeah. uh, you know, over the sort of issue of his brother, and it become, you know, Bojo versus Jojo, they called it. They thought yeah. that's how they, they come in, because me and Wayne are seen as brothers here in the community. They done this whole, what was our what was our views on Brexit uh, and all that sort of stuff. And we sort of rolled it into these two brothers and these two brothers in Alpington and made a Channel 4 piece over it. It was quite amusing. you probably be able to still
0: see it on Channel 4 uh, news. All right. So, so look, let, let's just stand back a bit. So, from from your perspective over the last sort of five, six years in a very, very busy part of the world where you are, what emerging trends are you seeing in terms of preferences for funerals now? Is it changing at all? Yes and no. Yeah,
1: the, the traditional funeral still exists. You know, people still want the norm. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you have to give people all the options, you know. And um, and this has come up a lot in funeral magazines about, you know, David Bowie and the direct cremation and all that sort of stuff. You're right. And a lot of our competition here mm-hmm. are really, you know, selling that hard. Uh, and that's... That does affect us because um, obviously some of the bigger organisations that have their own crematoriums can do that. You know, I, I think the traditional funeral still exists, but yeah, definitely there's a lot more options now. And and I think direct cremation is becoming a lot more popular uh, mm-hmm. and then they're having big memorial services, a pandemic now because people can't gather. So I do think the traditional funeral is not, you know, not as what it once was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like your hearse and your two limousines and your you know, and your horses and all that. Uh, People don't feel they need to do that anymore because, you know, we're we're living in times where the the money isn't there, you know. So because of this pandemic, it's really, you know, shown people that you haven't got to have all of that. So we've just got to move, as Drake says, you know, move with the times and be able to offer everything from, you know, your pink glitter coffin to your traditional, to your, you know, to your direct creme non-attendance, you know, we
0: can't judge and we just need to just be here for when that time comes. I get it. Great. Thank you very much. That was interesting. And look, final question for you. Um, We've got regulation on the horizon, regulation for pre-need funeral plans, as well as on the at-need space of the CMA. How do you feel generally about regulation coming into your sector? You know, I'm very for it.
1: You know, I'm one of these people that um, there's a lot of people that one day, I believe, wake up and think I'm going to be a funeral director and start opening their own. I think regulation is very important. You know, all of us have taken our diplomas, you know, it's something that we're passionate about. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I believe that regulation is a good thing, you know, and I, I think it's going to be hard for the 200 year old undertakers because they are the, some of the best, film, some of the best funeral directors I have met mm-hmm. haven't got qualification and they don't intend to take one, and that's mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to struggle. Uh, but you know, I, you know, the I sit on uh, with you know your former guest Adam, you know on the London yep. Association of Funeral Directors Committee, all that sort of stuff. You know all these committees exist for for the you know for the purpose of the funeral industry. You know so we can all yep. work as one and 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 you know do the best job we can and and work together. And um, I think it's very good to to be regulated as long as it's done properly, because, you know, there's so many great undertakers out there that don't have a
0: qualification. Great answer. Thank you very much. Well, look, thanks for your time today. And I, for one, will look forward to your premiere on Netflix when it's released in the winter. I'll look out for that in my schedule. Uh, But honestly, Gary, thank you for your time today. It really is appreciated. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Partnership Podcast. The documentary featuring Gary, The Business of Death, is due for release, as we said, this winter. And you can see the Channel 4 piece online now. You can find our previous podcast episodes on goldencharter.busprout.com or on a range of podcast apps. And contact me on malcolm.flanders at goldencharter.co.uk if you have any feedback or suggestions or you would like to get involved. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time on the Partnership Podcast.